We'll be in Ephesians chapter 6 tonight. Ephesians chapter 6. I'd like to welcome you to our 100th message from Ephesians. We are now nearing the end of this epistle. I'd like to begin again this week by reading verses 19 and 20. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 19, And for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Last week we considered verse 19. And if you missed last week, I'd ask you to please take the time to go back and listen to it. Too much to recap, but we did take the time to define utterance boldly and what the mystery of the gospel is, which in short is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember that Paul is praying to effectively communicate the gospel, and he wants to do so boldly. He wants to be blunt. He wants to be confident. It does not mean that he was obnoxious or rude. And the message he wants to communicate is the gospel. That should be our desire, amen. That wherever God places us in this life, we would be faithful to give the gospel to those we come in contact with. And as we begin verse 20, we see that Paul is in bonds. He is literally a prisoner. We'll look at that more next week spiritually, but for this week he's physically imprisoned. As he's writing this letter to the Ephesians, he's under house arrest in Rome and will be for two years. And the cause of his imprisonment is connected back to the end of verse 19 where his desire is to make known the mystery of the gospel. And he says, for which, because of that mystery, in verse 20, I am an ambassador in bonds. Paul was in prison because he preached the gospel. But I want you to understand that while Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel, he was also in prison to keep preaching the gospel. I don't know if you caught that, so let me say it again. Paul was not only prisoned for preaching Christ, but he was also in prison to keep preaching Christ while he was imprisoned. And that's just an amazing thought because no matter what our circumstances are in this life, we're never to deviate from the main thing, which is sharing Christ with people. Our end goal is to keep preaching Christ and Him crucified, come what may. Now, in my opinion, it's a very interesting study to connect the events in Paul's life that brought him to Rome. I find it interesting as as it would relate to how God might work in our life as He seeks to fulfill His will in us. For those who are desirous for God's will in your life, and for those who sense that God will one day use your life in a different capacity than maybe He is now, I recommend that you give careful attention to how God worked in Paul how He guided His course of life and His ministry. 
You should begin all the way back at the stoning of Stephen. Then certainly on the road to Damascus when he was gloriously born again and the Lord called him into the ministry to reach the Gentiles. But I want to highlight tonight how God led Paul to Rome. And as we consider this thought tonight, I want you to follow along with me because I'm going to read a lot of passages. And I know it's Wednesday night. I know you're tired. Some of this is going to bore some of you. But would you follow with me over to Acts chapter 19? This was not what I had planned for tonight. I was going to preach to you about being an ambassador in Christ. That's what I promoted to my wife anyhow. And um, God has changed this. I trust this is His leading tonight. Certainly all can benefit because all Scripture is profitable. Amen? But I recognize this will be more for some than others. And it will be more of a Bible study than preaching. So we're going to fast forward here to Paul's third missionary journey. In Acts chapter 19, if you'd look at verse 21, After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the Spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, Achaia, however you say that, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And we see Paul here purposes in his Spirit, or in the Spirit, to go to Jerusalem, and then he wants to go to Rome afterwards. He's determined in his heart to do this. He is resolved that this is what he is going to do. And so he sets his heart to do it. At some point during this third missionary journey, there was a transition in Caesar's. Rome had transitioned from Claudius to Nero. Claudius had kicked all the Jews out of Rome when he was in power. And we can read of this decree, if you wanted to look over there, you can, in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, as Paul is nearing the end of his second missionary journey. It says there, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And so Paul may have desired to go to Rome before this time. I don't know. But he couldn't go yet because there had been an order that no Jews could be in Rome. And so Paul here, he becomes friends with Aquila and Priscilla. And Paul meets these two in Corinth because they had to leave Italy because of the decree from Claudius. And this husband and wife who ended up being instrumental in Paul's life and ministry, he meets him in Corinth as a result of the persecution in Rome. I just find this very interesting how God is orchestrating circumstances to weave things together in Paul's life. And listen, we never know how God is going to use evil for good. They're getting kicked out of Rome. And yet, God is going to use that decree that we would look at as a, on a political scale as being evil. But God's going to turn this thing for good for the Apostle Paul. And we may think today in our political climate, oh man, it's getting rough out there. But you know what? God's going to turn it for good. 
I don't understand how. But he will, and he will get the glory. But after the passing of Claudius, the Jews were allowed to return to Rome under Nero. And evidently, at some point, Aquila and Priscilla make their way back to Rome. Because Paul states in Romans 16, 3 and 4, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. And so through that persecution, through that political move by Claudius, Paul meets these two, this husband and wife, that end up being uh, just what he needed. And I just find that interesting. That's more of a side note. But with this change in leadership, both were wicked men. Nero was certainly more wicked than Claudius. The Jews were allowed back into Rome. And somewhere along this time, as Paul's on this missionary journey, he decides he wants to go to Rome. And he, it's impressed upon his heart to go there. But the details are not certain yet. He said he purposed in the Spirit. That's what the writer of Acts said. He purposed in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem and then to Rome. But he doesn't know how everything's going to unfold. And as God leads His dear children along, there are times that we don't know what lies in store. We just know where God is wanting to get us to. We could say on a very simple scale that once we're born again, we're going to get to heaven. We just don't know all that we're going to go through to get there. And so in God's will for our life, we may be uncertain of all how it's going to play out. And listen, we may wonder, is this my desire or is this God's will? Have you been there before? Here's Paul. He's desiring to go to Rome and I don't know how he felt about things. I only have one life, so I can only give you my testimony. But I can remember 13 years before I was voted in as your pastor, God began to press upon me to be at Liberty Baptist Tabernacle one day. Now, I didn't know how it was going to come to pass. And there were ups and downs along the way where I wondered at times, Lord, did you put this on my heart or not? Much of it I kept to myself and my wife. I confided somewhat to my parents. I confided somewhat to preacher. Preacher would just smile and nod. But I reckon I knew deep down that it was God's leading, though I couldn't see how. It certainly wasn't God's timing yet. And I don't know what all Paul knew at this point. He may have had an idea of how things were going to play out already. He, he may not have. But we'll see in the next chapter that he didn't have all the details. But he knew this. He purposed in his spirit to go to Jerusalem and then go to Rome. The will of God was starting to be made known to him. It was being pressed upon him. Though the details weren't clear yet. And let's keep following this trail into chapter 20. As Paul is continuing his third missionary journey, he now becomes convinced that he must go to Jerusalem. And he begins to pick up speed because he wants to get there before the day of Pentecost. And I would imagine the reason for this would be there would be huge crowds there in Jerusalem that he could witness to and he could preach Christ to and he could take advantage of that. And so he's wanting to hurry up and get to Jerusalem. And because he's in a hurry, instead of stopping by at Ephesus, he calls for the elders of the church there to meet him in Miletus. 
And now let's read chapter 20, verses 17 through 27. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound into the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take to you record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And so while Paul earlier had purposed in his spirit to go to Jerusalem, that desire now has intensified. And now as God's will is being played out in his life, it becomes more than just this desire. It it is something now that is heavy upon him and he knows he has no choice but to go to Jerusalem. But the details still aren't clear. And so he, he says, I go not knowing the things that shall befall me there. But he knows this, that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city. And he knows that it's his lot in life to be in bonds and afflictions. And so he knows enough to know that perhaps this is what's going to happen. And, but because the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, that's enough for him to go right there. But he definitely gives, gets a glimpse of what is coming. But he doesn't count his life dear unto himself. Because he wants more than anything to finish his life in ministry with joy. He wants to be pleasing to his Savior. And it was joy which was set before the Lord that helped him to endure the cross. It was the joy set before the Apostle Paul that caused him to keep heading towards Jerusalem. And listen, whatever God's will is for your life, you may not know what God's up to right now. You may kind of have some ideas. It may not be a clear picture yet. But you've got to keep pressing forward because there's a joy that is set before you. There is a joy in serving the Lord that you don't get anywhere else. And we just need to keep laboring for our Lord. Because we're growing to the point where the focus is no longer us in life. It's not about what we want any longer. But we want to live a life pleasing to the Lord. We want to be in His will that we may finish our life with joy. While Paul doesn't know all that's going to come about in Jerusalem, he knows enough to let these elders know, you're not going to see me again. And then we read in verses 36 through 38, after he charges these elders, he says this, And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. Now, I'm not suggesting that Paul was going to back down from God's will. 
But I want to use this little area here to point out something that I think for many of us, as we start to get a... Well, let me put it this way. If we knew the end from the beginning, we probably wouldn't do God's will. Maybe Paul would, maybe Paul wouldn't. I don't know. He had already been through a lot. And certainly he's far better than we are in this room. But I believe if we knew what was going to befall us, we might be inclined not to do God's will. And God wants to take us along as we're able to handle it. And what He does is, as we're on this journey, He gives us trials along the way. And those smaller trials help us with bigger trials and then bigger trials. I know in my life personally, had I known all that would befall me already and my family as a result of following God's will, I wouldn't have been enthusiastic about it. I'm not saying I wouldn't have not done it, but I certainly wouldn't have been chasing that thing down with enthusiasm. And there's still more trials to come, amen? Because that's life. Doesn't matter what course of life you're in, doesn't matter if you're a pastor or not, there's trials. And I hope there's more to come because I want to keep doing this till the Lord calls me home or He returns. And we just need to keep pressing on for Christ and trust that His will is best for us in the end. You say, but it's going to cost me all this money. Yep. I can testify to that. It's going to cost me friends. Yep. That's a fact. It may cause my family to get mad at me. It might. You have to decide how valuable doing the will of God is in your life. And now it brings us to chapter 21. Paul is now in Caesarea, and he's at Philip, the evangelist house. And let's read verses 10 through 14. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And, he would not, and when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. Agabus prophesied by the Holy Ghost that Paul would be bound by the Jews at Jerusalem. That Paul would be delivered over to the Gentiles. And so they try to convince him not to go. And I want to tell you, as you do the will of God in your life, there's going to be those who come along and try to convince you not to do it. They're going to be genuinely concerned for you. They're going to be concerned about whether or not you can, quote-unquote, make a living. They're going to be concerned about where God may take you, whether it's a dangerous place or not. And people are going to come along and they're going to try to convince you. They're trying to convince Paul here, look, don't go to Jerusalem. We don't want to see this happen to you. And Paul says, look, I'm ready not only to be bound, but I'm ready to die for my Lord. Well, they try again to persuade him and they, they see that they're not getting anywhere with it. And so they all just finally conclude the Lord's will be done. 
Can I tell you, that's where we need to be. Just let the Lord's will be done. Not my will, but thine. So now we see Paul has a confirmation of God's will in going to Jerusalem. More details are beginning to come together. They're not the best. (laughs) It's beginning to be made known. He knows somewhat now what's going to befall him in Jerusalem. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be bound, but he keeps pressing toward Jerusalem. He's determined to fulfill God's will for his life. Well, as we keep reading in chapter 21, we see that things start off well for Paul in Jerusalem in verse 17. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Hallelujah. Things are starting off well, but long story short, to appease the Jews, it was recommended that Paul go to the temple and purify himself, which he did. That's a whole other message. The days of purification were seven days. And then we can pick this up in verse 27 and read down to verse 36 where it says, And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw Him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on Him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law in this place, and further brought Greeks also into the temple, and hath polluted this holy place." For they had seen before with him in the city of Trophimus an Ephesian, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. Isn't it amazing what happens when we draw conclusions? All right, I'm not going to preach. And all the city was moved, and the people ran together, and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple, and forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him, tidings came unto the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating of Paul. Then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains, and demanded who he was and what he had done. And some cried one thing, some another, among the multitude. And when he could not know the certainty for the tumult, he commanded him to be carried into the castle. When he came upon the stairs, so it was that he was born of the soldiers for the violence of the people. For the multitude of the people followed after crying away with him. What does that sound familiar? So Paul now has in fact been bound just as Agabus prophesied. Then in chapter 22, Paul, he speaks to the mob. He shares his testimony how he was called to reach the Gentiles but it didn't curtail their anger. Look with me in chapter 22, verses 22 through 30. And they gave him audience unto this word, and then they lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the air, the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging that he might know whereof they cried so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, Yea. The chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, But I was freeborn. Then straightway they departed from him, 
which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman because he had bound him. On the morrow, because he would have known the certainty whereof he was accused of the Jews, he loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priests and all their counsel to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. And so we see at this point how politics is playing a role in Paul's life. He was a Roman citizen. And the Romans were going to scourge Paul. And while he's bound, this, the centurion asked him the question, or Paul asked the centurion the question, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? Well, that changed everything, amen? As a Roman citizen, he was owed a trial. The centurion, he goes and tells the chief captain, he says, listen, we need to be careful how we're treating this man. Come to find out, he's a Roman. And upon that news, they lose Paul, and they turn him over to the Jewish council. And now to chapter 23. Paul is before the council, and he wisely pits the Pharisees against the Sadducees. He knows that the Sadducees don't believe in a resurrection, and the Pharisees do. And he says, look, the reason I've been brought on trial is because I believe in a resurrection. Well, then the two parties started fighting each other. But he's kind of caught in the crosshairs here, and there was dissension between them. And then let's look at verse 10 of chapter 23. It says, And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. And so here's Paul. He's about to be ripped to shreds, literally. He's about to be killed at the hands of his own countrymen. Now he knew going into this that he would be bound in Jerusalem. And he knew before he went to Jerusalem that the Ephesians would see his face no more. At least the elders. But let's remember back there in Acts chapter 19 and verse 21, Paul said, I'm not only purposed in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, but I'm purposed in the Spirit to go to Rome. And now it looks like there's no way this is going to happen. How is it going to come to pass? He's close to dying here. In fact, they wanted to kill Paul so badly that if we kept reading, we would see there were more than 40 men who had laid a curse upon him, the Bible says, that they would not eat or drink anything until they killed Paul. I often wonder how long that lasted. But listen, God cannot be stopped. Paul's nephew arrives. He informs Paul of their plans. And Paul tells the centurion, hey, you've got to allow my nephew to go and talk to the, the captain. And in response, Paul is taken by two centurions, 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, 200 spearmen to Caesarea under Felix the governor. That's quite an entourage. Of course, there was a lot of unrest in the land in those days. Paul, though, he was pressed in the Spirit to go to Rome. I want you to understand, God never forgot. God may impress something upon you. He's not going to forget. Look at verse 11 there. In the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. And again, we see how God takes that which is meant for evil and He turns it for good. He turns it for His purposes, that He might be glorified. 
that we might be able to fulfill His will. Well, the first part of what God laid upon Paul's heart has now been accomplished. He made it to Jerusalem. And now we see that Paul was getting to Rome one way or the other. And it just so happens he's going to be escorted by the Roman military, at least to Caesarea. And I'll try to speed this up here, but Paul, he stands before Felix and the governor and Ananias, the high priest, with the elders and an orator named Tortullius testify against Paul. Paul testifies before Felix, and in Acts 24-25, Paul reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. That should sound familiar to all of you. Of course, Felix never did call concerning spiritual matters. And what Felix did is he left Paul in jail hoping that there would be a bribe sought to pay Felix to get Paul out of jail. Of course, Paul doesn't seek for a bribe and he ends up sitting in jail for two years. And while he's sitting there, eventually there's new leadership and Festus comes in and he replaces Felix. And after Festus took over, the Jews wanted Festus to bring Paul to Jerusalem because they still wanted to kill him. How's that for hanging on to anger, amen? They're still mad at him. They still want him dead. But Festus, he keeps Paul in Caesarea. However, since Festus has now taken over in Judea, he asked Paul, because he wants to please the Jews, that's who he's going to be ruling over. And so he asked Paul, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem and there be judged of these things before me? And Paul replies in Acts 25, verses 10 and 11, Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be offender, I have committed anything worthy of death. I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Well, Festus says, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar thou shalt go. And so Paul's journey to Rome is once again set in motion. Well, King Agrippa shows up. He was the Herod in those days. And he listens to Paul, and it was Agrippa who said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And then we read in Acts 26, verse 32, Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. And then Paul, he goes on to Rome. And finally, what started all the way back there in Acts chapter 19, as being purposed in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem and then to Rome, is finally coming to pass. And as we read our text in Ephesians 6, 19, it says, For which cause I am an ambassador in bonds? For making known the mystery of the gospel, Paul is imprisoned. He remains under house arrest for two years in Rome. And there in Rome, while under house arrest, Paul penned this letter to the Ephesians, as well as a letter to the Philippians and the Colossians and Philemon. Some debate whether or not it was there when he wrote to first or wrote first and second Timothy and wrote to Titus. And while there, listen now, Paul was leading people to the Lord. 
He states at the end of his letter to the Philippians, all the saints salute you, especially they of Caesar's household. And we're talking about Nero. And he's leading people to Christ. And as I said at the beginning, Paul was in prison for preaching. And he was sent there to keep preaching. And I guess what I'm saying is sometimes we look at these obstacles and we think, okay, God must be closing the door. God must be shutting it down. I mean, I'm going to jail. No, no, no. God is in control. And He wanted him to keep preaching. In Acts chapter 28 and verses 30 and 31, it says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. And even in prison, he had liberty to preach. Thankfully, he was allowed to be under house arrest. And by the way, when it says there at the end of Acts 28 that Paul preached the kingdom of God with all confidence, that's the same Greek word for confidence when he says that I may open my mouth boldly in Ephesians 6.19. You know what that means? His prayer request was answered. What a blessing. Now, I'm going I'm to close this out, and I want to be honest with you. I don't know why God had me share all this with you tonight. It was likely very boring for some of you. But I will close by saying this. We may not always agree with the Lord's leading, but we must follow the Holy Spirit's leading nonetheless. It was put in Paul's heart years earlier that he would go to Jerusalem and then to Rome. But I don't think when that was put into Paul's heart that he knew the manner in which God was going to fulfill that. Paul would go to Jerusalem, but he would be imprisoned. Paul would go to Rome, but he would go in prison as a result of being arrested in Jerusalem. Isn't it amazing how God put all this together? And listen, you may sense God working in your life, and you may not know at this moment if it is just your desire or God's will. But I want to encourage you, just keep pressing on for the Lord. Some more details will fall into place. Just keep going forward. Even though it may not be how you had hoped, keep going forward. Because I can tell you now, there's no greater place to be than in God's will. I'm personally of the opinion Paul's desire to go to Rome began with an expectation to go there freely like he had other places. That he wouldn't be confined. But you know what? God's will was still done. What is it that God has purposed in your heart by the Spirit? Don't give up on it. Even when it looks like there's no hope of it coming to pass, God will be working behind the scenes to accomplish His will in your life. And you won't fully understand it yet. Maybe you've received a calling. It's likely it'll come to pass differently than you envisioned it. But allow God to work all of that out. He's going to reveal more and more to you as He sees fit. As long as you just keep walking with Him. The fulfillment of that which God had placed in your heart may be through the waters. 
It may be through the flood. It may be through the fire. But we can keep going because we're under the blood. The song goes on to say, some through great sorrow. But God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. And all the while, God is leading His dear children along. You say, well, I wouldn't want to go through what I've gone through. I wouldn't want the diagnosis that we've had. I wouldn't want to have to go to the hospital. I wouldn't want to have to... Just, I, can, I don't know why God works that way, but that's how He works in our life. And I hope one day you can look back and you can at least recognize God knows what He's doing. Just stay faithful. Keep walking with God. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. I want you to trust tonight that God is always at work in your life. I wonder if Paul thought he was going to die in Jerusalem. We may think it's the end of the road. But God specializes in turning that which they meant for evil for good. Just keep believing to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Let's pray.